0: You're listening to Seattle Sports Saturday Saturday. with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Final hour of power here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs, hanging out with you, getting you ready for the Super Bowl. The Niners and the Chiefs taking very different paths to get there, not just this year, but the past couple of years and how their teams have been constructed, the experiences they've been through, which path could the Seahawks more easily repl- replicate or emulate if they want to get back to the Super Bowl
0: Yeah, I mean it's a it seems like a simple question, right? Because I think the answer everyone and you and I have kind of come to this answer is the Chiefs have the more natural path for the Seahawks to follow, right? A few pieces short, falling in a game last year, they address some of it in free agency, they address other things in the draft, building around their quarterback, getting them all the pieces that they need to succeed, whether it's you know, Damian Williams that running back who, you know, before the season was sort of a no one and now has been uh I think he has nine postseason touchdowns for the Chiefs, which is now their record um for a single postseason. So
1: you look, look on the other side of that and Raheem Mostert and where yeah. he has been in his career being cut by seven different teams and now also being a postseason hero for the for the Niners.
0: Yeah, but as we were talking about it and talking about, you know, the reasons for the Chiefs, reason for the Niners, I start to look at this forty ers offense and I see a lot of similarities to the Seahawk offense and essentially where Jimmy Garoppolo is for this team and what he does for this team versus where Russell was with this team and what he did for this team. And I think they were in really similar spots, right? Not asking for the quarterback to throw a lot, basically just having them not make mistakes, right? And not turn it over. No interceptions, no forced throws, throw it away or check it down. And Jimmy Garoppolo's fantastic at that. Russell Wilson, also fantastic at that. But it, it, you see that They've been able to succeed without Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball so much and with the three-headed monster at running back. So if you're looking at the Seahawks roster and you're looking at, well, they got two running backs who are really good, and when they're healthy are one of the best duos in the NFL. You have a Russell Wilson quarterback. You have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You have some receiver talent there as well. Um, when, and when Will Disley's healthy, he's also a great um talent as well, and I think I know that they won't be able to get the same amount of draft picks as the 49ers and all those top-end talents. They won't lose 12 games or only win four games. I also think that's not going to happen, but it also feels like this 49er team may have a few hints on what the Seahawks need to do to just get back to the big game.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the defensive side of things because, yes, over the past couple of years they won six games in 2017. They won Four games in 2018, which yielded them some draft capital, some high draft picks, and that's the reason uh, Nick Bosa is there in San Francisco. So that path, I don't think the Seahawks can ever emulate that because I just don't believe that they will ever be a four-win team unless Russell Wilson, you know, knock on wood, gets injured. Nobody wants that to happen. But under Carroll's tenure, they have been consistently competitive and consistently good. So then it makes drafting that defensive talent because it, it you will have later picks. It mm-hmm. makes hitting on those picks all the more important because you do need to change the defensive identity of your team now on the Kansas City side of things, that's where I think that you can learn more from their path because they had a pretty terrible defense last year, oh yeah, and were able to turn it around in about one season to at least middle of the road to at least a decent defense to make you competitive to balance out your offense and that to me is more of what the Seahawks could reasonably emulate.
0: Yeah, and you look at the Chiefs last off season, they had some cap space, right? They went out, they got Frank Clark, they solidified some of their other positions and, you know, gave Tyreek Hill his extension and You know, that's the things the Seahawks need to be doing as well, getting a couple key role players, but also building through that draft and using those resources to help build the depth of your team. Because as we saw this year, you just never know when someone's going to go down. You just never know when someone's going to get hurt. And we saw it with Will Disley and what, what sort of effect that had on the Seahawks offense. And you know, I just kind of get back to you, you mentioned the Seahawks will never really be as bad as the Niners. And I 100% agree with that. But my, I think a question that popped in my head as you were saying that, Lids, is take the draft number out of it, right? Take the, the where they're selecting in the first round out of it. Do you think the Seahawks can build through the draft and can find a way to add the talent they so desire through the draft instead of free agency?
1: Um. Yes, I believe they can because they have a track record of doing it. The problem is finding those generational players that really what they have done in the past couple of years is, and granted there hasn't been enough time to pay off to see their full development yet, but it's been more of a struggle the past couple of years. We go, we so often go back to 2012 and we talk about earlier drafts, but they, I'm not saying the generational players just grow on trees and they come along every so often, but difference makers, they are available in the draft. Difference makers aren't necessarily even in the, the first or second or third round of the draft. And I do think that the Seahawks have been very successful at finding later round picks with incredible value. But you need to hit on those absolute difference makers. And both of these teams in the Super Bowl have done that, whether it's George Kittle, who you picked up in the fifth round of 2017, and what he's done for the 49ers offense, or or it is on the free agency front and and finding uh, the Raheem Mostert's of the world, who, which I also think the Seahawks have had success in going out in free agency or making trades to add there. But I do think a huge focus should be the draft.
0: Yeah, um, I was just going to say that, um, you know, I'm sitting here thinking that if you could only pick one for the Seahawks to go all in on, draft or free agency... Can
1: I add a third option to this?
0: Oh, by all means.
1: Okay, so I'm going to take... the. There's drafting, there's free agency, and then there's development. So that Ooh. means the current players on your roster that you have drafted or whoever you've picked up, them taking the next step. I think these three areas... Are something that you need to focus on this year but I would but I would add develop in there so it's whether it's LJ Collier taking that step because we really didn't get to see anything from him whether it's um, I don't know even Rasheem Green going to that next level up front whether it's Marquise Blair because that's a second round pick as well taking that next step development of of the, of the talent that you already have I'm going to add that to the mix.
0: I love that, and that actually made me think of a, a new question here for you, Lydia. So there you ha- we have the three, drafting, free agency, and development. Rank them, one being most important, three being least important, on how they should address it this offseason.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Okay.
0: I know. It's on the spot. Uh,
1: yes. I think... Um...
0: But you mentioned development. Like, where, Would you put that one... Is it two...
1: Yeah, that's, that's tough. I think I'm going to rank development three. I still think it's a, a very important part of it. But I'm probably going to put, with a slight margin, I'm going to put draft number one. I'm going to put free agency number two. I, I know that you have a ton of capital to work with, which is great. But I think this is kind of a, a make-or-break year because you have so much to work with going into the draft that you really, whether it is trading up or trading down – need to be smart with your picks and you need to hit on the picks that you do have. Uh, free agency, Jadevian Clowney obviously is is a huge part of the discussion, so it's hard not to weigh it. It, it almost is like you should make two categories, Jadevian Clowney and everyone yeah. else. <laughs> um, but yeah, you still, you have money to work with. You need to go out and, and spend it, at, which I, I know, I have faith that John Schneider will spend it wisely. Um, but I'm going to rank drafting because I still think homegrown talent and being able to get those guys while they are underpaid to be difference makers the next year or or two years after is really important.
0: Yeah, and as far as the long-term success of this team and this franchise, 100%. I don't think you can debate that, that that is the most important thing, drafting.
1: True. You're right. We should have stipulated, are we talking about the most important thing to go to the Super Bowl next year?
0: Yeah, because I think that does actually change the answer, right? I think free agency may actually sure. be number one in that case, and n- not that you're you're wrong or anything like no, that. No, I'd, I'd
1: switch it up probably too.
0: Yeah, that, look, you can add a couple pieces who will have a, an immediate impact on your team. You look at Clowney, you look at Diggs, right? You look at two of the bigger names that they brought into this defense last year. They did exactly that. I think the Seahawks need to go out there and do that again. I, I have faith in the draft process, but I also understand that you can miss on a draft pick. And make it up on the next draft pick. If you hit, like, you know what I mean? Like, if you miss on a free agent, the, the next step might be a bigger step than you think. And in the draft, we don't know how, it's dark. We don't know how deep the steps go. So when you take that step, you're, yeah, you're walking into a little bit of an unknown. But long term, I think that's what you're always after, right? That controllability, the, the, you have the pace to handle those stairs. And then on the flip side, free agency wise, you gotta attack it and you gotta be able to bring in those people who can instantly make a difference, whether it's you know, drawing on a double team or just the the confidence that he instills in the rest of the defense, those free agency moves I think are gonna be so important. And you mentioned Clowney. He's the most important move I think that needs to be done this off season. They gotta get him back and they gotta add. So to me, that free agency period is going to be so so crucial for the Seahawks team and the short-term success of their um, of their quarterback in the team.
1: Absolutely. Uh, this is fascinating discussion and I wish we even had more time to, to talk about it, but up we next, need more time. Need more time up next on Seattle Sports Saturday. We've got to take a look at uh, what's going on over on Montlake. It has been a rough go for UW men's basketball team. And at the same time, we also got to hear from Mike Hopkins joining 710 ESPN Seattle this, this week to talk about adversity and why it might actually be a good thing for this team. It's next right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Thanks for hanging out with us, myself, Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs, live from Vancouver, B.C.
0: Woo, the pride of the north. That's Heck what they call yeah.
1: it. Heck yeah. Well, it's been a rough go for Mike Hopkins and crew over on Montlake this year. Not what any of us expected. They weren't picked in the AP poll to win the Pac-12, but I think all of us expected that they would be off to a better start than they are now
0: yeah and Lydia you mentioned it right there um, Huskies fall into Arizona earlier in the week playing ASU tonight at 730 but dogs currently at 12 and 10 on the season and uh, if you look at each of those 10 losses, the dogs were in each of those games. And uh, it's unfortunate because you can look at some of the things, you know, freshman Jada McDaniels has been doing and some of the mistakes he's making. Look, he is a freshman. He is young. He is raw. And he's learning the game of basketball at a, at a higher level. And unfortunately, they needed him to be a little bit further along in that process, I think, for the team to sort of really compete in a Pac 12 that doesn't have a contender it's a lot of sort of beating each other up so they really needed that solidifying McDaniels sort of talent but on the flip side i don't think they were expecting to see Isaiah Stewart be as dominant and be as great of a basketball player as they've as we've seen so far with this Huskies team
1: yeah it's it, it is hard to watch when you have a player that is so talented like right. Isaiah Stewart who hustles every single play Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's offensive or defense you feel like he could phone it in on, on on some things if he wanted to but it's just not his mindset especially when the team isn't doing this well he could phone it in but he doesn't he doesn't take plays off and watching him has been a bright spot of this year mike hopkins joined 710 earlier this week now this was before the arizona loss but was talking at the time about how struggles well they can they can be character revealing they can be good i think
0: so i think at the end of the day you know character will be revealed when you deal with adversity right and uh the one thing that i've been so proud of our guys is just how hard they played i don't know it necessarily if we played smart we've made some some mental errors and those types of things with youth but for the most part our kids have played exceptionally hard and so You know, we look at those types of things. We focus on getting better every day. And uh, and, and most importantly, I think the biggest, you know, thing that you have to focus on during this time is having fun because the game is meant to have fun. You're going to play your best when you're having fun. So trying to create that environment, getting better,
1: and ready for this opportunity. Having fun. Yeah, to uh, quote Pete Carroll, they play football. They don't work football. And Mm -hmm. these are even, these are, you know, amateur players these aren't players that are playing professionally yet it is at the end of the day supposed to be a fun game to have fun and if you are having fun winning usually either comes with that um, because you're enjoying the game that they certainly have enough talent on their roster now you mentioned that they had been in all of these games and Mm -hmm. a lot of them they have built up leads against teams that many agreed were superior at least in the rankings whether it was Oregon or Arizona and then lost those leads late. If you had to pinpoint a reason for the collapse at end of games, what would you what would you say that is? Is it youth? Is it inexperience? Is it uh, just you know flat out technical issues that that they're they're making? What would you what would you point to that as a being? yeah.
0: I always hate saying youth. It feels like a cop out, especially in college because they're all young, right? But it does feel like, especially with this freshman laden team and not having Quade Green, that this Husky team is truly suffering from the youth of the program and not having enough players who are, you know, ready for those big moments and big situations. Like, I would love to know what this UW team would look like if Matisse Thibel was still on this oh, team. Yeah. Like, not that defensively they'd be so much better, offensively they'd be so much better. But he was such a good leader, and it felt like when he was on the court, he was such a general, and his his co his teammates bought into that. And
1: David Crisp as well. He was that yes. guy that would give the locker room speech if necessary. That would uh, be the lead by example guy. Mike Hopkins said, and yeah, you right. lo- you lose that senior leadership, that four year starter leadership.
0: Yeah, so it's not like it's because they're all freshmen. It, it's you're, you're right. It's the lack of senior leadership or junior leadership from these players who have been in the system, even though Hopkins' system is new, but they've been at Montlake. They've been in Seattle. They've experienced it. They've done a couple Pac-12 seasons and tournaments and understand the grind and what it's like because, you know, there's a lot of really good teams in the Pac-12. There's not a lot of great teams, but there is a lot of good teams in the Pac-12, and that's where you can run into a lot of trouble. You look at ASU, right? They beat Arizona Mm -hmm. 66-65 and then lose to the Cougs in the next game 67-65. So, it, it, it's sort of up and down you as the far Cougs as
1: defeat Oregon.
0: Yep. So yeah. And that big upset. So it, it's been so up and down as for the conference, you need that consistency at the top. If you're you dub and unfortunately they just don't have it this year.
1: They've still got a win against Baylor, which is pretty remarkable at this point. Yes. Considering where Baylor is at. And, and we have seen the potential of this team. Mike Hopkins was asked after the loss against uh, Arizona uh, about, what's happening and he said well they keep making some of the same mistakes you know what it's just,
0: you know what it goes back to anything that you focus on you know where focus goes energy grows right and so we had focused this weekend in transition defense and making sure that we were you know we were rebounding better and so you know, the first half, I felt like even at the beginning of the game, we didn't have an incredible energy. We didn't have that pop energy. It was still trying to find it. It was like we were on a on a slow drip, and then we finally got you know even and, and close to the lead, and um, and uh, we just we just we just keep making some of the same mistakes, and uh, we we've you know that's that's film focus and practice,
1: film focus and practice. So really coming back to the fundamental things here and. I think this could be a really defining moment in Mike Hopkins' tenure in Washington because, you know, going from Pac-12 Coach of the Year, Pac-12 Coach of the Year, to having teams that consistently outperformed their expectations. And now you have a team that came in with a highly touted class and you're experiencing some serious adversity for the first time. I think this next step or this next, you know, part of his tenure could be really defining here on Montlake because if he is able to – you know turn it around so to speak it's not as if that your prospects for the tournament are very really high at this point but if you are able to turn it around and by your standards win some of these games that you've been losing whether it's holding on to those leads late um, finding ways to improve on all the categories that you mentioned I still Mm. think that you can have success this season if you take that momentum into next year.
0: And you look at this, the remaining schedule, ASU at home tonight, but then three games consecutively on the road. You have the Coug matchup and then the two LAs. Home for three, you got the uh, the Bay Area schools, Stanford and Cal come up, and then Wazoo, and then you're back down to the desert uh, in March for the last two games of the Pac-12 season. So I think you hit it right on the head there that just they're, they're so close. And Hopkins, it, this is going to be such a crucial time for him and to figure out, you know, does he want to stick with the system Does of trying to go after these one and duns? Does he want to find more guys who are zone defenders and play that system? He talked about length a whole lot, and he's been on 710 a few times, and talked about how he still isn't even at the desired length for the people who play at the top of his zone. So even with Isaiah Stewart and Jane McDaniels, he's still establishing himself in this program and – I think you, you hit it right on the head. Go on the road. Win four or five, all five of the road games that you have left. Win two to three of those home games as well. You know, get to as close to 20 wins as you can. You're sitting at 12. Try and get eight more wins before the eight, the end of the year. And you can look back and say, look, we had some problems. Look, we tried to go after Jane McDaniels and make that work. and You could call it a square peg in a round hole. I wouldn't necessarily call it that, but I just think he's had some growing pains as a freshman. And on the flip side, you've got Isaiah Stewart, and he's over-exceeding expectations as well. So you can't be too mad at the specific players, but I think eventually we're going to work into this area where Hopkins gets all of the pieces that he so desires and the players and measurements that he's looking for. And I, I truly believe that if he gets all of those things, which could be next year, could be never, uh, I think he will truly establish himself as one of the best coaches on the West Coast.
1: Now, before we get out of here, I want to share this story that Braden Bishop posted on Twitter yesterday. So mm. if you want a, a bright spot here, too, to speak to the character of Mike Hopkins, I think we talked about hope right off the top on this show and how it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Braden Bishop sharing this story about Coach Hop. He said, I'm not sure if this was going to be public or not, but I wanted to make sure it was known. I've never met. Coach Hopkins in person, but I've always been a fan of his. Braden went to UW and uh, was drafted by the Mariners now, uh, getting some time in the majors yester- last year after, uh, unfortunately, going through uh, some uh, medical struggles when he mm-hmm. – was it ruptured spleen, I believe? Yes, it, I think so. But uh, yes. But also <laughs> everything he's been through with his mom – Uh, who had Alzheimer's, who passed away this past year, and how active he's been with his charity for mom. So I just want to preface preface that story with this. But he said, I've never met Coach Hopkins in person, but always been a fan of his. His father battles dementia, which is also personal to me as well. He went on a radio show, and instead of accepting the payment for being on the show, he decided to donate it all to for mom. So he donated it all so to cool. Braden's charity. It confirmed what I already knew. He's a great person and a man of high character. UW is lucky to have him. I'm honored to call myself an alum of UW Athletics because of acts like this. Thank you, Coach Hop. So to me, again, feeling like you have uh, hope and faith in the coach that is there, that uh, not only is he a great person, but he's a great leader of young men. In times of adversity, that gives me hope that, that we can still see some some great things come out of this season and uh and like you said taylor win some on the road show some of that grit that 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 you can that you showed at the beginning of the year when you beat baylor mm-hmm. um and and this thing turns it can turn around quite quickly and, and and head ahead for the future so uh tay as always appreciate your your basketball perspective here yes and,
0: um you know, Real quick, I just want to say before we get out of here, if you're a UW fan or a Wazoo fan, I just think hold your head up high. Both of these coaches have these programs in the right spot. They may not be competing for a national championship yet, but they're moving in the right direction. And that's all you can ask for from a fan is that the coaches are pushing their players. And these two guys, I think, will help push basketball in the state of Washington forward.
1: I love it. Coming up on Seattle Sports Saturday well, we haven't really gotten to talk Mariners, but we're in February now. We're 12 days away from pitchers and catchers report date, and there's a lot to be excited about this season, especially some of these young players. We have some great sound from them, and we're going to play it for you next right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Thanks again. Hanging out with my Liddy Cruz alongside Taylor Jacobs in Vancouver for a pretty cool event that we'll tell you about in, a, in about 15 minutes here because I still want to hear more about that. But first, spring training is right around the corner, man. Mariners making a few moves this week. They signed 34-year-old veteran right-handed pitcher Yoshihisa Hirano to a one-year $1.6 million deal. In a corresponding move, released 22-year-old lefty Ricardo Sanchez to make room on the 40-man roster. And then they also agreed to terms with 34-year-old lefty Wei in chin on a minor league deal. Just adding a couple of veteran arms trying to bolster their bullpen. Jerry DiPoto mentioning when it comes to Hirano that he had the bat-missing ability, he had the veteran presence that he thought could stabilize them in the bullpen they are going to be a very young team this year which will lead to some struggles on the field in 2020 but i'm going to argue it's also going to lead to some pretty exciting moments you're going to get to be there for a lot of firsts in 2020
0: yeah and i think that's so cool look we understand what's happening here with the mariners lydia maybe more than anyone and she's (laughs) such a big baseball fan that I think you don't have to tell us how many years it's been since they made the playoffs. You don't have to tell us all of the things they did wrong in the 18 year, 18 seasons prior. This is now. It's a new regime. It's a new ship. Yes, it's the same name. You're used to all the same struggles. But this is going to be a completely new experience for Mariners fans. We've never fully stepped back. We've talked about it uh, at some points in the franchise's history that they've sort of done like a shift, but this just feels like such a great opportunity. If you're truly a fan, if you're truly a baseball fan and a sports fan, because I'm sure there's a lot of people here who just love winners and that's fine, but you're not a sports fan. You're not a baseball fan. If you are truly one of those, you're going to enjoy the season. You're going to get to see these young, young faces that will be here for some time. And these contributors and, it's going to be really exciting to sort of, almost have that hipster moment where you're going to be like, "That's my guy, mm-hmm. J Rod is my guy." And then in five, ten years from now, when everyone around the country is talking about J Rod, you're like, "You know what? I rode with that guy before he was J Rod. When he was just Julio." Like, just you get weird. the right. You get that experience that. It's so rare and so often we don't know when you're in that moment, right? That the organizations aren't honest and don't tell you what's happening. But the Mariners flat out came out and told us what the story was going to be this season and what they were going to focus on. And it also gives fans an opportunity, I think, to focus, to sort of reshift their focus to what they want and what they want to find for this team going forward.
1: I think it's interesting, too, to sort of, there's almost trendy front offices and trendy baseball teams that, Baseball seems to accept, oh, that team's doing it the right way. And oh, that team is doing it the innovative way. Even though those teams usually, if you look back a year, two, three previously, they were probably being scorned and made fun of (laughs) mercilessly by the media. Because in in that actual building process, it's usually uncomfortable. It usually looks different than anything that you're seeing currently. And so whether it was the Astros uh, or the Cubs, when they built their championship teams in the mm-hmm. couple of years prior, people were making fun of the way they were going about doing it. And talk about a drought. I mean, the Cubs had, uh, had a huge uh, <laughs> history hanging over their head before they broke the curse. So I think that, if anything, the fact that people have you know raised their eyebrows or wondered about this whole rebuilding process, well, if anything, it should give you hope. Because if you were doing it the way that, everybody thought you should be doing it, then you're probably behind. You're probably copying somebody and it's probably not innovative enough to win you a championship. So I actually even look at the critique. I understand the pain Taylor and I, we mm-hmm. we're born and raised. We're natives. Of course we want to go back to a, a playoff game that is playoff. Baseball deserves October. Baseball deserves to be played in Seattle or to have it on our television screens with a personal investment. But in the meantime, as you as you build and you get there, there's going to be fun things to watch. You mentioned yeah. some of the youth of this team. Now that, to me, uh, if we if we watch the commercials, the let the kids play commercials, we're mm-hmm. seeing this new generation of baseball that's allowed to exhibit more personality than they ever have.
0: Yeah, and specifically these young guys who have already started to see the major league level. Justin Dunn, for example, he's already been on our air a few times. You can feel the. It's a different sort of tone coming out of his voice, and mm-hmm. 425 texting in, you know, they the Mariners quit on us. They may have quit on you in this, the 18 years prior to this. Even last season, you can – I'm not going to listen to that, but you can potentially make that debate. But starting now, they didn't quit on you, 425. Matter of fact, they told you what the plan was how they're gonna execute it and what to watch for so you can be along for that entire process as well. So it, it it's it's gonna be very interesting and different and I I understand the frustrations people have with this Mariners team. You want a winner. It's been so long. But those seasons, just like when you go back and look at a Seahawks season, you can't hold the twenty you know, twenty ten Seahawks season against The 2019 Seahawks season, you have to look at it in a different light. And I think people just need to take a step back, adjust their perspective, and realize what things will excite them in this season. And I think they can truly find enjoyment in this year, even in a year where they've already told us they're going to come out and take a step back.
1: Yeah, because on the other side of the flip side, you as a fan would be so upset if you felt like, management or the front office was being disingenuous with you was selling you a line was coming out and saying yeah we're going to the World Series this year and we're totally going to win it what I mean to me being honest through this rebuild process is one of the most important things if you're honest with fans because Seattle fans are very intelligent they're they're smart they are they have been along on this ride on the past not just the 18 years but they've been along on the ride before that and and seen the success and they want a winner and they're not you know, stupid. So, being lied to, I think, would be the worst case scenario. And being no, knowing what to expect and, and knowing what's ahead—that there's going to be trials and tribulations, but there's also going to be, in my mind, an even bigger payoff at the end. But you mentioned Justin Dunn Tay yes. as one of as one of the guys we've gotten to hear from, and I love his personality, man. Uh, he was talking about his first day, uh, and what he remembers from it—a little overwhelming because uh, he was sitting next to Felix Hernandez as an official big leaguer as an official
0: big leaguer um, I don't it just it all like I said I I tried to take it in but it all happened so fast I just think how welcoming everybody was I was really nervous about walking into a locker room and um, to have Seeger to have D to have Marco to have Wade to come over and just say hello and congratulations and even Felix um, being next to him I think that was kind of the craziest thing in my in my first day was sitting next to at my childhood the king you know, and now he's my teammate. He's a, he's a friend. I should be able to just go talk to him. It was almost to the point of where I was even scared to look at him the wrong way. Cause I didn't want to uh, get on his bad side, but just adjusting to
1: how to be myself within a big league locker room. So plenty of personality already is, even though he's just a youngster, but I, I love hearing that. And I love hearing that that's the locker room culture that they have there, that people are open to, to coming over and, and and coaching up the young guys and being available to them.
0: Yeah, and uh, text coming in from the 206, and I, I think this is a valid question. Does it scare you that they might be rushing some of these guys like Zanino and Ackley? Mm-hmm. 206, 100% agree with you. Yes, that that is my true fear in this whole situation. I don't fear that they're going to quit on us in 18 more years of just losing. They're not going to try or anything like that. I'm more afraid of we do have these talents. We know what they're going to be. Don't waste it and ruin it by rushing them to the – Don't. there's no need. And I think by saying that this is a step-back season, you, you're sem- essentially establishing that you won't be rushing Julio up. You won't really be rushing Jared up that Kalanicka and Rodriguez are going to be two names that may still be in that double-A, triple-A level at the end of the year. Yeah. But come next year, these are going to be the guys who will be the the parts that you need to truly make a run to the playoffs and to truly have a franchise-altering season. I think
1: that's a really big point of focus for them is not rushing those guys. And Mm -hmm. that's why... Specifically, Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez are the guys that they are, are taking longer with and making sure that they are prepared and ready for the big leagues. A lot of the time, it is that you need to be prepared to deal with adversity. It's a really long season. You need to understand what failure is like and that you're going to come out the other end of it. So for a young person to, to who has generally probably been successful at every level of athletics they've done, to yep. then deal with a sustained period of adversity, that's, I think, it's as much mental as it is physical to get these guys ready to take on the major leagues. Jerry Depoto mentioned it at the uh, spring training luncheon. He talks about why, they, why it is important for them to take time with their younger prospects. We
0: are dealing with, in Julio's case, very limited experience above the short, uh, short A-ball, West Virginia. And, uh, or, or low A ball, and in Jared's case, just 92 plate appearances above the, the Cal League. So you know, I don't want to do anything that will harm their progress. It's a, We think a lot of, of both players, we want to do the right thing for their development, and if the Mariners have an April that is tougher to watch because we were taking our time to do the right thing for, for Julio and Jared, that's what we will
1: do. So, to that texture, I just want to say I think that it is encouraging that they have a different attitude than Jack Sorensic had, who thought that, I mean, his whole thing was being able to draft so well. And I thought that the development focus for him was not there. It was, well, these guys, I drafted and scouted them so well, we can just bring them up as quickly as we need to. I think that the Mariners feel confident in their ability to draft, but they put a significant focus on development and not just not just physical but mental so I think you should be comforted by that fact the guys that are coming up into the big leagues are more of the the older guys that have spent time and they're also guys that have demonstrated the maturity whether it is being like a team captain whether it is uh, just exhibiting you know things in the locker room so I think you should take some comfort in that.
0: Yeah, and I think you hit it. We mentioned it with the Seahawks. Now we're mentioning it with the Mariners. And uh, it brings me back to our good old buddy Steve Ballmer talking about developers, (laughs) developers, developers, developers. That's what Seattle needs to be. You're totally right, Lydia, that the Mariners, they have the talent. you look around the MLB rankings of the farm systems, they're back up into the top of the conversation there. So you know that Major League Scouts are respecting these guys on that level. Develop them. Turn them into stars. Truly get the most. Developers, 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 Let it out, Steve. Yes. We need to be the Steve Ballmer of sports cities. I love it. All about developers, baby.
1: Let's go. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers report date on February twelfth. Spring training going to be here before you know it. We will keep you. It's like a uh, week and a half. I know. We'll keep you in the loop here on seven ten because we'll have Mariners spring training games. We'll have uh, two shows broadcasting live from spring training, getting you up close and personal with a lot of the youth and a lot of the players that will be a huge part of the Mariners, not only today but tomorrow. So. So, of course, keep it locked here on 710 ESPN Seattle coming up next on Seattle Sports Saturday. Before we get out of here, it's time for our shout outs. We just want to we want to spread some love as we do at the end of every show. And if you have a shout out that you'd like to get in, please text it in 710 710. Uh, That's next on Seattle Sports Saturday.
0: Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs
1: on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Thanks again. Hanging out with myself, Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs, all the way broadcasting live from Vancouver, B.C. today. Before we get into our shout yeah. outs, which thank you for texting them in, 710-710. We always love your participation uh, in this break because we just get to be positive for 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. Tay, I want you to explain what you are doing up in Vancouver because yes. it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so I'm up here um, working with the Vancouver Titans esports team. So they're an Overwatch League team, and uh, they're doing a, a really unique event. You mentioned it earlier, Lydia. That how often do you have the opportunity to sit there and play with, you know, play basketball with LeBron James or toss a football with Russell Wilson? You never get that opportunity, right? If you were to come down to Rogers Arena from noon to two today, you have that opportunity to play with a pro. Esports sports gamer, whatever you want to call them, athletes. I, look, it's all open for discussion, but <laughs> um, they, you get an opportunity to play with the best in the world. And where else can you get that? And this is such a cool opportunity. I'm really excited the, the Titans invited us up here, uh, the Joystick Club, the podcast I work for. So we are uh, doing a little coverage. The music just got turned on. The players are here. We're starting to see a lot of them file in, and it's uh it's getting real. It's getting really exciting up here. So a uh, big thank you though to uh, the sports bar here, at Rogers Arena. Shout out Aquilini Group, Alfred, Tim, the whole team here with the Vancouver Titans and Seattle Surge. Unbelievable stuff. So uh, really happy to be a part of this event and be representing Seattle up here in Vancouver as uh you know hopefully making a new esports hub here in the United States
1: absolutely if you don't already subscribe to the joy stick podcast then you should yep. um anywhere that you get your podcasts at but yeah pretty cool that you're doing this live hopefully the the whole crew can go up there to, at a later time and and do this again maybe talk a little hockey yeah. as well so uh pretty we're making
0: it back well, yeah. i'm it's gonna guarantee it we're gonna make it back
1: i love it well tay uh lead us into your shout out of the week who are you shouting out this yeah
0: week? Um, Well, first of all, I I do want to shout out all the families, the friends, um, anyone impacted by the events that happened on Sunday with Kobe Bryant, uh, Gigi Bryant, and the rest of the people who perished in that tragic accident. Um, There's always help. There's always people to talk to you. There's always someone there to listen. And I just want to make it clear that that's the case. Um, and to call, to call those people, tell the people you love that you love them, to tell your friends that you appreciate them. You don't know how much time you have here. And, you know, using those, that, that precious time to tell the people you love, how you truly feel while you're here, I think will go so far and just your legacy and how people remember you and what it means to be a a human, a, a fellow human being with other people. So. I just want to send, first and foremost, the, that thought out there. And then secondly, to Bellevue, Nebraska. Shout out Bellevue at all okay. times. But teacher Trey Payne uh, actually had a pair of his basketball shoes stolen from his car. So what did his students do at the Logan Fontel Middle School in Bellevue? Well, they got together. They pitched in money, and they bought him a new pair of shoes. Seems Aww. simple. It's $100. It's really not that much money. But he broke down crying. The fact that these kids took it upon themselves to right or wrong, even though it had nothing to do with them, shows you the the best that we can be. And I just implore people to be the best they can be at all times, and... Try and be as nice and as courteous and as gracious to the other people around you as possible, because I guarantee you, you will receive it back tenfold.
1: Wow, Tay, we should have ended with you, because there's way more poetic than mine. But uh, uh, yeah, of course, the, the tragedy that happened Sunday, the families, the friends that were affected by that, our hearts going out to them, and also, if you're a fan, too, I think it was really therapeutic to hear from fans this week whether you're calling into the station or just expressing on on online on Twitter um, sharing your memories yeah I think that sports ultimately brings us together that's why I love it it's a it's a community thing it's about people and the fact that Kobe brought people together of all races ethnicities across countries across all different types of political ideological ideals but
0: mm-hmm. something that
1: all these people could come together over I think is a testament uh, to sports but also to to the legacy the competitor that he was I think even and more so to the dad that he was and to see totally. his relationship with Gianna and the rest of his daughters with his family just wanting to be the best possible dad in the world was was just beautiful this week and um, great tribute by the Lakers last night but of course yeah our hearts going out to that this week and then this uh, just a smaller shout out that I I mentioned earlier on the show but the story that Braden Bishop shared um, about Coach Hopkins I thought was really cool and sounded Mm -hmm. like it's almost not anything that Coach Hop wanted to be public but even though Braden Bishop plays for the Seattle Mariners, drafted by the Mariners, went to UW so local kid through and through uh, we all, if you follow Braden at all, know You know, the tragedy that he's been through with his mom, um, with Alzheimer's and losing her this past year and just everything he's done forming his charity for mom to help the future of research so that other families don't have to experience that kind of tragedy. And uh, he told a story about Coach Hopp, the fact that he went on a radio show, his father battles dementia, which is also a personal cause to Braden as well. He was on a radio show and instead of accepting the payment for being on the show, he donated it. To form mom to the charity despite the fact that those two have never met um i don't know i just think that's really incredible and and speaks to the type of person well both of these individuals are and the fact that it, we didn't hear more about it publicly or anything also i think is a testament to who coach hop is and i want to shout out him and and jen cohen as well for picking someone who nice. who uh, so embodies what they're their values are on Montlake and and fits into that mold. So big shout out to Braden, big shout out to coach hop, big shout out to Jen Cohen, and everybody who has donated to and supported for mom along the way.
0: And shout out you, Lydia and shout out from the two Oh six to ESPN with the NFL contract and all the women on the station with their new roles covering the team. You and Maura going to be doing some great work with the XFL Seattle dragons franchise. A big, big shout-out to you guys. You put in so much work. You deserve to be there with this team and blazing a trail um, for, hopefully, um, women to come. And I'm really excited that you guys are my friends and my coworkers, and I'm excited to see what this XFL season looks like with you.
1: That's awesome. Thank you, Tay. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it'll be fun telling those stories. And, again, one week away from a game in D.C., two weeks away from the home opener. You don't want to miss it. Get your tickets uh, at, at Seattle Dragons I believe.com .com now, or XFL Dragons. Mm-hmm. But uh, find those tickets so you can be a part of the day one tradition. And from all let's of us it. here at Seattle Sports Saturday, thank you for hanging out with us for three hours. We really appreciate it. Tay, be safe, have fun up there. Can't wait to hear the podcast and, and hear more stories from it. We'll see you back Thanks, here let's... yeah, next Saturday on Seattle Sports Saturday.